Shalom, and welcome to Parasha Highlights and Insights. This is Rabbi Avram Fisher. This week's parasha is Bishalach. Bishalach, uh, I would say, essentially is divided into two parts. Everything uh, up to the miraculous splitting of the sea, and then everything afterwards. But of course, we'll see there are many uh, subsections. Uh, first, uh, we receive the next stage of Am Yisrael's uh, traveling uh, out of Egypt. Uh, in the previous parasha, we were told they went from a gathering place in Egypt called Ramses to Sukkot, and now they go from Sukkot to Etam. Uh, Paro had released them, he had let them go, and God guides them. Uh, but he doesn't guide them in the shortest distance, but rather he guides them towards the desert. We'll say more about that uh, at the uh, at the end. As uh, they leave, Moshe takes the bones of Yosef, the remains of Yosef, together with him, and they encamp in a tam, as Hashem is guiding them with a pillar of cloud by day, and a pillar of, cloud, of fire by night. In the next section, uh, Egypt is going to catch up to B'nai Israel. The way that happens is, Hashem instructs Moshe to instruct B'nai Israel to change course, to actually change direction, and this will uh, lure Paro into thinking that now is an opportunity for them uh, to retake the people of Israel, um, and that is in fact what happens. Paro leads his people with chariots and horses to pursue the children of Israel and uh, bring them back. As Israel sees Egypt bearing down on them, the children of Israel uh, panic, uh, but Moshe assures the people that Hashem will uh, will take care of them. He will fight uh, the battle, uh, and uh, all they have to do is follow uh, the orders of uh, Hashem. And then we come to the splitting of the sea. Hashem tells Moshe, tell the children of Israel to go forward. Meanwhile, you, Moshe, will look like you're splitting the sea, and I am hardening Paro's heart. Uh, the angel that travels in front of Am Yisrael moves to the, uh, behind the camp, moving between the Israelite camp and the Egyptian camp, and the sea is split. Uh, in, in the sea, the Egyptians are uh, completely uh, caught off guard. Uh, they, uh, the Egyptians scream that we should flee. God, their God is fighting for the Israelites, and so uh, the Egyptians are, uh, are drowned by Hashem in the sea. Uh, upon Hashem's instructions, Moshe raises his hand again, and the sea returns, uh, and the Egyptians are drowned, and at the very same time that this is all happening, the children of Israel are being saved. Uh, it's... Uh, it is the case that part of the sea is 
uh, open for B'nai Yisrael to walk into, uh, and the other part is closing down, crashing down on the Egyptians. And so since the children of Israel are on dry land, uh, they are saved. They are on dry land, but there is a sea, uh, uh, of the sea, there is a wall of water on both sides. This uh, finally brings about the complete reverence of Hashem, the belief in Hashem, and they trust in Hashem as well as in uh, Moshe. So when the Egyptians are thoroughly defeated, B'nai Yisrael, uh, led by Moshe, sing a song, uh, the Song of the Sea, and this is uh, a song that we include in our prayers every day. Uh, the Song of the Sea, which is led by Moshe and followed by B'nai Yisrael, is praise to Hashem for defeating his enemies, also a description of Hashem's might, the result of this, the result of the destruction of uh, the Egyptian army, is that even the surrounding nations will be struck by fear. Uh, then the song includes a prayer that uh, may Israel come to its land, because that is the ultimate purpose of the Exodus, um, and proclaim Hashem's sovereignty in his sanctuary which is the reason why they want to be in the land, in order to proclaim Hashem's sovereignty. Uh, we're also told that the, uh, that the women of, uh, of Israel also sang, but the way they sang is led by Miriam, Moshe and Aharon's sister. Uh, she leads the women in song as well. And that, uh, that's the end of the first section of the, uh, of the, of the parasha. Now, when B'nai Yisrael, uh, see the Egyptians, uh, washed up on the shore, uh, the mighty Egyptian army is, uh, is destroyed, uh, they also see that the, uh, ocean, that the sea has washed up onto the shore all of the jewels and gold and silver that the Egyptians uh, had decorated their horses and uh, chariots with and the Israelites uh, take this as the rightful uh, owner of the of this uh, of these spoils after the splitting of the sea um, B'nai Yisrael are led by Hash- by Moshe away from the See, uh, and we have some of their uh, travels. They go for three days without finding water, and they come to a place where the water is bitter, undrinkable. They call the place Marah, which means bitter. Uh, Hashem instructs Moshe with regard to a particular tree that he is to throw into the water, and this will make the water sweet. And of course, this is what happens. And uh, as well, uh, we are told that Am Yisrael are given the beginnings of the laws that they are going to uh, receive uh, at Sinai. But even before that, they are taught some laws at Marah. There are some more journeys. Uh, they travel to a place called Elim, which, uh, in contrast to Marah, has plenty of water. Uh, it has 
12 springs, 70 palm trees. Uh, so the, the journey in the desert is going to have its, uh, its ups and downs. Uh, but the important thing to remember is that Hashem is guiding them and taking care of them. So that every step of the way, however things may seem, Hashem uh, has the uh, best interests of uh, Am Yisrael uh, at heart. They travel uh, to a place called the Wilderness of Sin, of Sin, and uh, this is where Am Yisrael complains again. Uh, they complain about the lack of food, uh, and uh, so this is where uh, Moshe tells them that they will be provi- provided with uh, food by Hashem. He will provide meat and bread. Uh, for uh, for the people of Israel. Uh, on Fridays, they are to prepare extra, uh, prepare double, to, in order to prepare for Shabbat. So they're also being told and taught about Shabbat. And indeed, the uh, something falls to the ground during the night, and they find it uh, on the uh, layer of, of dew, uh, and they don't know what it is. They call it man, which probably, probably means what? Man who? What is it? Uh, but that name sticks. That's what they call it, man. Um, and it is bread from heaven. There's a description about uh, how it can be used, its all purpose, and its food that uh, uh, that Hashem provides them with. Uh, they're also provided with meat in the form of quail, uh, kind of bird, Hebrew is called Slav. God gives further instructions about the man. Uh, first of all, do not leave over any man from one uh, day until the next morning. Uh, of course, uh, there are some people who don't believe, and they do keep it until the next day, and it develops worms. But the, the purpose of this, uh, this instruction is they have to learn to put their entire trust in Hashem, that Hashem is going to provide them with uh, with the food they need every single day and not store up from one day to the next. Uh, that is the situation here in the uh, in the wilderness. Uh, when they <clears throat> when they bring the man back uh, to their homes and they measure it, it turns out that uh, each person has an Omer's uh, measurement of man to provide for him. Uh, and when they come back on Friday, they discover that they have double that amount, and that's when uh, Moshe teaches them, do not cl- co- uh, go out to collect the man on Shabbat, because Hashem is providing double for you on Friday. <coughs> uh, of course, there are some people who disobey this, and they go t- out to look uh, to see if there's man, and Hashem is, uh, rebukes them for that. Um, but they are told to uh, co- not to collect the man on Shabbat. And the Torah tells us that uh, they were provided with man uh, for 40 years until they uh, finally enter the land of, uh, of Canaan under the leadership of Yehoshua. Uh, uh, they are uh, told to put aside a container, a jar of man, and uh, that will not uh, spoil. Um, 
that will uh, that will remain. Um, and the the purpose of this jar of man is to serve as a remembrance. And uh, in future times, people uh, who went to the Beit Hamikdash might have been shown the man as a reminder. Uh, to see how Hashem has taken care of our needs uh, in the past. Uh, they travel some more. They come to yet another place where they uh, feel that they lack water and they complain. Uh, this time, uh, Hashem says to Moshe to go to a certain rock, strike the rock, and water will come forth from that rock. And indeed, that is what happened. Happens. Moshe uh, strikes the rock, and the result is that uh, that they have water. Uh, this place is called Masao Meriva, which means uh, strife and quarrel, because they did uh, quarrel. Uh, and uh, as a matter of fact, we're told uh, that uh, the water source that is exposed here uh, actually accompanied them for the 40 years that they turned out to be in the wilderness. So it kept kept up with them. The last part of the parasha um, is uh, a war. The first war that the Torah tells about when uh, Am Yisrael, now as a nation, uh, go to war. Uh, and it's the war against Amalek in a place called Rafidim. Uh, Amalek uh, attacks. They attack Israel. Why they attack is very uh, doesn't seem to ha- serve any uh, purpose other than their hatred for the Jewish people and for everything they stand for. But it's not as though uh, Israel was uh, threatening the territory of Amalek or anything of that nature. And so Moshe says to our, uh, to Yehoshua, choose men to fight against Amalek. And uh, and so they do. Uh, when and Moshe, uh, together with Aaron and Hur, stands uh, on a nearby mountain. And when, as long as Moshe keeps his hands raised, Israel prevails. It would seem because by raising his hands, they are reminded to direct their their hearts to Hashem. Uh, unfortunately, if Moshe lowers his hands, then uh, they uh, they begin to lose, which is why uh, Moshe needs to sit down uh, on a rock, and he is supported uh, on both sides. Uh, his hands are supported so that they stay up, and this continues uh, all day until sunset. And uh, Yehoshua is able to weaken Amalek, and the parasha concludes by reminding us. Uh, by Hashem saying that you are to write down this remembrance uh, and remember that there will be war against Amalek from generation to generation. And uh, Moshe builds an altar and dedicates it to Hashem, uh, dedicates it again to the miracle that Hashem has done by making the uh, Israelites victorious against uh, Amalek. And that brings us to the end of the, of the parasha. We see that in this parasha we are beginning the journey out of Egypt and moving in the direction uh, ultimately towards the land of Israel. But before that, 
moving. Uh, moving through the wilderness and uh, going through a transition uh, from more miraculous, more overtly miraculous, to less overtly miraculous uh, interactions with uh, with Hashem. In the beginning of the parasha, uh, we have the statement that uh, it was that when Paro let the people go, um, God did not guide them, did not take them, uh, along the road that's called Derech Eretz Polishtim, that would have been the land uh, route that would have stayed close to the coast, uh, the coast of the Mediterranean, would actually have led them through uh, what we call nowadays Aza, um, more directly into the land of Israel. But God didn't uh, direct them that way. Uh, we've seen that the reason for this is, uh, well, it is stated in the Pasuk, first of all, that the way of, uh, of the Philistines, the Derech Eretz Polishtim, Ki Karov Hu. Now, Karov means close. It is close. But how exactly does the word Ki function? Um, you can't translate it as because, because that's just the opposite of what's being said here. God didn't take them on the shorter route because it was close. We'd expect it to be the other way around. Um, and then the Pasuk concludes by saying that God said that uh, the people may have a change of heart, they may regret what they are going to see, and then they'll try to return to Egypt. So the Ha'ameg Davar, the Naftali Tzvi Yehuda Berlin, uh, analyzes the construction of this uh, of these verses, and he says that because of the way it's phrased, ki karov hu, uh, we should understand that those words uh, encapsulate the main reason why God is not taking them in the short route. Uh, not although it was close, but precisely because it was close. That's why uh, Hashem didn't take them that way. Now, on, on the other hand, uh, when it says later on in the same verse that God said uh, that there is a concern lest they will see war and uh, and want to turn, um, that is not the main reason, says the Hamek Davar. That's not the main point. Uh, after all, uh, throughout the many years they were in the wilderness, they uh, they did not. Um, they wanted to return time and time again, but God didn't let them. God pre- uh, prevented them from doing so. And he continued to uh, watch over them and make sure uh, that they were doing what they should do and not returning. So, uh, rather, says the Hamek Davar, the point being made is that God is here trying to uh, fashion the distinct character of Israel. He doesn't want them to travel along the shorter route, which will inevitably lead them to intermingle with the Plishtim, with the Philistines. And what God wants to develop in Am Yisrael is a sense of the separateness of Am Yisrael, that they are not to, uh, that they are not to mix uh, with other uh, nations. And this would imprint 
their distinct character. Uh, if he had led them by the shorter route, the way of the Pelishtim, which was close, um, that would not have been good enough to get them used to having a distinct uh, character. So that's the meaning of Kikarovhu. He didn't take them uh, that way uh, because it was close. Um, on the other hand, says the Ha-Mekdavar, this is not something that God can say at this point to Israel, or more accurately, uh, Israel is not ready to hear this, uh, to hear that uh, that God is fashioning what their distinct character is going to be. So the last part of the Pasuk, where it says, uh, God said that the people may have a change of heart when they see war, uh, that is what the explanation that he said to them. Uh, so there's what he said to them. You might be facing war soon, uh, but uh, we don't want you to turn around and, and go back. That's what he said to them. But the deeper, more uh, profound reason, which they're not ready to hear yet, is God is taking them uh, in a way that will reinforce their distinct and separate character. I thank you very much for joining me in the study of Parashat Bishalach. This has been Rabbi Abraham Fisher for Parashah Highlights and Insights saying Shalom.